When I first became a mom, I was so disappointed that I didn't love it as much as I thought I would, especially after fighting so hard for those babies. I was really disappointed in myself and just had a lot of negative self-talk and you're not a good mom and all of that. And I had to declutter a lot of like the shoulds and the expectations that I had for myself and what I thought motherhood would be like in order for me to really find joy and thrive. And so I I feel like my why for this topic is that I want moms to have the joy that they deserve to have in motherhood. And that requires getting rid of all of the junk that's getting in their way from that. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Raising Adults Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. Kira and Dina here. Dina, how are you doing over there in your office? I'm doing well. How are you holding up? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I am so excited for our guest today. We have been trying to get her on the show for a very long time. <laughs> so we are thrilled. We have Rachel Nielsen with us today from the podcast Three in 30 Takeaways for Moms. And she is going to talk about decluttering your motherhood kind of like a closet, which is fabulous because we're coming into that holiday season and a lot of people are thinking about what's going to be my goal next year? How am I going to shake things up? We're always kind of thinking about that as the year comes to a close. So I am so excited to have her with us. So let me tell you a little bit about Rachel. Rachel is the host of 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, a podcast for moms, I love this, who want to love motherhood as much as they love their children. (laughs) So cool. Um, And so each 30-minute episode features three doable takeaways for moms to try in their homes that week, which Dina and I love because we're all about those actionable items, things you can do right away. And Rachel is with us today. She lives with her husband and she has two miracle babies and she lives in the beautiful mountains of Idaho. So Rachel, welcome to the show from the beautiful mountains of Idaho. Oh, thank you so much. I am so thrilled to be here. Oh, we are thrilled to have you. Um, Can you start by just telling everyone a little bit about you, a little bit of, I love your show, a little bit about your show, Um, just kind of introduce them to who you are and, and where you're coming from. Yes, absolutely. So I am a former high school English teacher, and um, I did a lot of teaching teenagers how to take big, complicated ideas and boil them down to the essentials. A lot of times, three points in a thesis statement. And so I taught for many years, and I loved it. And all the while, I was trying to get my miracle babies here. As I said, that you said there in that intro, my son is adopted, and my daughter was conceived with IVF. And so after finally getting them here, I decided that I wanted to be home with them full time. And I thought that I would love every minute. And it was just so much harder than I had expected. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really missed teaching and I missed using like my professional talents and skills. And so, but I didn't want to go back full time, mostly because of the grading and how many hours that takes as a high school English teacher. So I decided to start three and 30 instead. And I use kind of the skills I use as a high school teacher of taking like a big complex idea and boiling it down to the takeaways. And I love what I do. Oh, that's so wonderful. How great that you got to translate your 
professional experience from more of the working outside the home world and then bring it home, but translate it into a whole new professional experience. Yes. I love it. It's, and it's so great. I get to talk to so many experts like the two of you who I had on my show a few months Mm -hmm. ago who teach me so much. I've become a much better mom from learning from all of these people. And so it's just been a total win-win for my family. And parenthood. I mean, it really is a constant work in progress, isn't it? We're always learning. Yes. So I I love this topic we're going to tackle today because I think also with this time of year, as we know, many people do a lot of gift giving around this time, but sometimes they want to declutter in advance. So I think there's like so much decluttering that happens around this time of year. So thinking about decluttering as we parent is going to be super applicable. And as you know, we, we love to start with the why so that we get some intention around what we're doing before we move on to the practical how. So we're curious what your why is around this topic. Like, why does this matter, decluttering our motherhood? Why did you want to talk about this today? Mm. I think it matters because, like I mentioned, when I first became a mom, I was so disappointed that I didn't love it as much as I thought I would, especially after fighting so hard for those babies. I was really disappointed in myself and just had a lot of negative self-talk and you're not a good mom and all of that. And I had to declutter a lot of like the shoulds and the expectations that I had for myself and what I thought motherhood would be like in order for me to really find joy and thrive. And so I I feel like my why for this topic is that I want moms to have the joy that they deserve to have in motherhood. And that requires getting rid of all of the junk that's getting in their way from that. I love that. And I really appreciate, thank you for being honest and vulnerable about not loving it as much as you thought. Because I think, I mean, that was certainly my experience. I'm very, <laughs> very vocal about that. And it's, it's a surprise because we're really mm-hmm. conditioned to believe that, you know, it's going to, the birth is going to be horrible. Dean and I are childbirth educators, right? And so we believe birth is like beautiful and amazing, but the media tells us the birth's going to be awful or, you know, the process is going to be awful. And then you're going to bring the baby home and everything's going to be miraculous. Mm. And the unicorns are going to fly and the rainbows <laughs> will you know, come out. And when you don't have that experience, especially if you've worked really hard to get there, mm-hmm. that is just, that's a lot. So I, I appreciate you sharing that and not just sharing it, but taking it and wanting to do something with it to make that experience better for women everywhere. So thank you. So we want to talk now about the house because we love to move to the house. And I know you brought three of them, which I love. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's merge our shows. So let's say, what's the first how? How can moms go about decluttering motherhood, getting rid of that junk so that they can bring that joy back in? Yeah. So it really is a three-step process and these really build on each other. But it comes from my experience of having my really good friend who's a professional organizer came to my home and spent a long weekend with me decluttering every nook, cranny, drawer, closet. I mean, it was incredible. Um, And she taught me when we did my closet that I had always organized my closet by like kind of thumbing through it. Like periodically I would seasonally every once in a while I would thumb through it and think, do I still wear that? Do I want to get rid of that? But she taught me that you need to take everything out of the closet and that it's takes a a next level of intention when you do that, because you have to decide what's worth putting back in. 
And so we took everything out and we spread it across the bed. And um, then I had to make intentional decisions about what was going to go back in. So my first how is that you need to inventory everything that's in your motherhood closet, which is a metaphor for like, what's in your brain? What's in your heart that's that's this clutter that's making you feel overwhelmed or stressed. And you kind of need to lay it across the bed and get a good picture of what's really there. And the way that I advise moms to do it is to just do a big brain dump on a sheet of paper of everything that's in your mind, all of your current commitments, your responsibilities, your expectations of yourself, um, things you think you should be doing for your kids, either because you genuinely want to, you wish you were doing them, or also because maybe they're societal things that people tell you you should be doing, even though you don't really want to. Like just dump it all out on paper so that you have a clear view of what's really in there that's kind of bogging you down. So that's my first step. That's such a great start. And I, I like the term brain dump because I do think <laughs> it can feel like there's so much in our brains as moms that it can feel like it would fill a dump truck for sure. It would, it would be plenty to do, but getting that all out there first, we have to be able to look at it first before we can make any decisions. So what would you say is the, is the right next step after you've gotten that all out on paper and you've seen all those obligations, tasks, and activities, what do we do then? Yeah. So then you have to decide what you want to keep and what you want to let go of. Again, very much like decluttering a closet, the same process. And many of us are familiar with the Marie Kondo method of physical decluttering where you, she says you hold the item and you, and you ask yourself, does this spark joy for me? She says, you'll feel like a little king when, (laughs) when you're holding something that sparks joy. And if it does, then you know that that's something you want to keep. And if it doesn't, then you thank it and you donate it and pass it along to someone else that might be able to use it. And so I tell moms, go down that list. And this is a, this is going to take some time. So maybe set aside a half an hour, an hour, and maybe even come back to it a few days later. But just go down this list and ask yourself about all these different commitments and things that you're doing, as well as things that you think you should be doing. Does this actually spark joy for me? Does it fit me? Is it my style? Um, and my style of motherhood. And if so, I want to keep it in my life and in my motherhood. And if it doesn't, I can get honest with myself that it's okay for me to let this go. It's okay for me to thank it and say, maybe that worked for me in my early motherhood. It no longer works for me and I'm going to let that go. So it's a very similar process. I love that because it's, I'm going to use a metaphor here that's clothing related, but it's like that shirt, right? That like you keep in your closet and it never really fit right. And it never really, like you don't really love it, but somehow you've always, it's always been there. And, and so you feel like you're supposed to keep it there. And I think so many parents fall into traps around parenting that look like this, where it's, you know, like everyone else is doing it this way. And even though that doesn't actually fit and that shirt doesn't look good on me, everyone's wearing that shirt. So I think I'm supposed to wear that shirt too. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of going like embracing and owning, hey, maybe that is not the right shirt for me. And I'm going to look my best and feel my best in a different shirt. Yes. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. And a lot of times stuff ends up in our closet, our literal closet, because it was given to us. Mm. And we didn't really want to 
we thought it might be disrespectful to get rid of it, or it's the thing from your mother-in-law that you stuck in there or your parents gave to you years ago. And I think that that can be really true with some of the expectations that we have for ourselves as parents, that these things were given to us. And so, but it's okay to respectfully pass those things on if they don't fit. And I, and I have some specific examples from women. I've taught workshops on this. If you want me to share some specific examples. Oh, please. So one, one thing that, um, I had a woman at a workshop once who she had on her list that she spent a tremendous amount of time each week ironing. And I was kind of confused, honestly, because I was like, I was like, who irons? Like, I I just was like, I was, and she ironed her kids clothes and she wanted the Yes. Yes. Bless that woman. I know. And she was saying that that was something that she couldn't possibly let go of or remove from her motherhood closet. And I was just very confused. So the first thing that I did was I asked all of the women who were at the workshop, how many of them ironed their kids clothes and not one other person in the workshop did it. And I feel like that was important for her because sometimes I think that we think that everybody else is doing it a certain way. Yeah. And to realize, oh, actually, this isn't an expectation that I have have to have for myself. And um, I then pushed a little deeper and I said, you know, where does this come from? What made you believe that you needed to iron your kids' clothes? And it eventually came out that um, she is from Jamaica and they have a different cultural expectation there of neatness. And particularly her father ran a dry cleaner and mm. he really valued that they look neat and trim. And that was like a respectful thing there. And so we had a conversation about how she can still um, respect that her father gave her that value, that that was important to him without putting it on herself. And she doesn't have to do it just because her father did it. We talked about how when she goes home to Jamaica, if she wants to do that as a, as respect to her father, that is totally fine. But she doesn't have to hold herself to that in, you know, in her adulthood. So that's just like a small example of sometimes and sometimes there's much bigger things that are deeper, that are painful, that people have carried with them, that have been handed to them from their childhood, from their parenting experience that they can choose to let go of within their own parenthood. I think that was really smart that you had the other parents in the room do this by a show of hands, because I think that's another trap we can fall into as moms is we're assuming that we're doing it because this is what everybody else is doing. I'm sure of it. This is how it's supposed to happen. Yes. And then come to find out it's actually just an expectation we'd placed on ourselves. Yes, definitely. And there was another woman in that same workshop after we had this discussion about the ironing. She said, this reminds me of a story that I once heard, and this is brilliant, about a pot roast. So she said that in this story, a woman would always cut the ends off of her pot roast before she put it in the crock pot. And one of her friends saw her doing that and said, why are you doing that? Why are you cutting the ends off and wasting that meat? And she said, well, this is how a pot roast is made. This is how you do it. You cut the ends off pot roast. And she said, I don't ever do that. I never cut the ends off my pot roast. So the lady said, hmm, interesting. I wonder why. She's like, well, my mom, that's how my mom did it. So she called her mom. She called her mom and said, why did you cut the ends off the pot roast growing up? And her mom said, well, that's how your grandmother did it. So that's how I did it. So then she called her grandmother and said, why did you cut the ends off the pot roast? And her grandma said, 
because I had it, the pot roast was too big for my crock pot. And so I always <laughs> just cut the ends off the pot roast because of the size of my crock pot. So oh. here it had been passed on through the yep. generations as the way it is done when really it was just a logistical thing for that time that didn't necessarily fit with a later time with a different family and situation. And how often do we do that, mm. that we sort of take, um, what we've been given, what we've been taught, what's been modeled, and we don't even really know why we're doing it. Yeah, I love that. I'm Jewish, and one of my best friends is also Jewish. And, you know, Jewish people, we cook we cook more than is needed for the group of people. And my friend's theory is exactly this. She said, I think a long time ago, a Jewish woman cooked a little more, and her daughter watched that she always cooked a little more. And so the daughter then cooked that amount and a little more. And then each generation cooked that amount and a little more. And that's how we got to where we are as Jews, where it's like, you know, just tables of food and any kind of function. So yeah. I think that's really smart. I love these. And I also love the idea that the, the way these first two link together, that first you have to actually examine what's in that closet because there are things in there, like you just said, like the woman with the ironing, who maybe doesn't even realize that's in her closet until yes. someone forces you to go, hey, what is in there? So I love that. We are going to take just a super quick break. And when we come back, Rachel will share her third how so that we can really make the most of the decluttering of our motherhood. So we'll be right back. Well, we are really excited to talk to you about something brand new that we're offering at Future Focus Parenting, and that is the ability to become a member. And really, we want to welcome you into the Future Focus Parenting family, and we now have a way for you to do that. So we're offering membership, and this is so exciting because it allows you a way to really connect more and enables you to get some awesome free resources. So there are three tiers, and the first is really just a way to support the show and kind of to say thank you. If you're valuing the content and enjoying it, and if you feel like what you're getting with the podcast and what we do here is worth a cup of coffee a month, literally, then that first tier is for you. And if you want more bang for your buck, then we have two more tiers that's going to give you a whole bunch of cool stuff. So our second tier, which is the all access tier, gives you exclusive access to our Future Focused in 5 video and audio library. This is something brand new that we're rolling out, and it is only for our members. So it's pretty cool. It's a series of videos. They are five minutes or less talking about all the different things that we talk about here at Future Focus Parenting, but doing it in like a one-stop shop where you can just get in, get the information you need, get your quick tips, walk away knowing exactly what to do on that particular topic in five minutes or less. And you can watch the videos or listen to audio. Plus, you also get 50% off of all of our online stuff. So our courses, our workbooks, our printables, everything 50% off if you become an all-access member. But if you want even more, you can become a VIP member. And at that level, not only do you get everything I just said, plus a shout out on the show and the exclusive access to the Future Focused in 5 library, but you also get a coaching call with us every single month. We are going to hop on with all of our VIP members and do a Q&A session once a month. That's like just getting parent coaching once a month, whatever you need, whatever you want. We're going to answer your questions. And that's included at that VIP level. Plus at the VIP level, you get all of our online resources for free. You don't have to pay for any of our courses. You don't have to pay for the printables. It's all yours just for being a VIP member. So if you're interested in becoming a member of the FFP family, even if you just want to show support for the show, we would be so incredibly grateful to you. You can visit patreon.com slash FFP. 
That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash FFP, or go to our website, futurefocusedparenting.com and click on membership. We are so excited to welcome you to the FFP family. Okay, Rachel, what's number three? What's the next step? Okay, so takeaway number three is you need to inventory. Okay, so after you've done this, you have, you've put everything back in that actually sparks joy for you and you've let go of some of the things that don't, you can see suddenly that you have space in your closet. And that's when you get to add things into your motherhood closet that you're excited about. And after I did my literal physical decluttering, I had about four shirts left, honestly. (laughs) And they were all the same color. And it was like a sad (laughs) scene when you walked into my closet. It was like these four little gray Navy shirts. And all of a sudden I could see, oh, I really could like add some color and some fun to my wardrobe and spruce this up. And so I joined Stitch Fix, which I love. And they sent me really cool clothes and I decide which ones I got to keep and which ones I didn't. And and now my wardrobe, I feel like when I walk in there, it really reflects who I am. And I love everything that's in there and it fits well and it's colorful. And that's how it can be with motherhood after we've cleared out all the junk we suddenly can see that we actually do have space and time to do the things that we really love as mothers that maybe we've been putting off or we haven't been prioritizing enough and to really bring the color and the excitement and the life back into our motherhood. Um, That might be things like if you really love going on family adventures and maybe you schedule in to do that every Saturday for a while, or if you love a hobby that you've let go of as a mom that has nothing to do with your kids that you loved. Maybe it's like that shirt that you find at the back of the closet that you'd forgotten about and you pull it out and you're like, I really loved this. I want to wear this again. So maybe you pick up the violin again and start practicing that, but it just gives you the opportunity once you have the free space to see what do I want to add that would really make my life more joyful. Oh, I love that. I have a question. So I'm curious, are there ways that you think that parents can, um, you know, on the front end, right? So they're expecting, like, are there ways for parents to be thinking about this before they even have a baby so that the closet is set up in advance, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because we end up with so much and we wake up one day and we're like, oh my gosh, my kids are this many years and I'm lost and my closet's a mess. Do you have thoughts on how parents can kind of preemptively or proactively fix the closet in a way that's going to suit set them up for success? I think that there's some things that you can do proactively and preemptively, like even just listening to this framework um, and knowing, okay, what do I want to be my non-negotiables for my own soul care that are things I truly love to do and I want to continue doing them even after I have a baby and making a plan for that, making a plan for supportive people, caregivers that can help with your baby, that can help you get that soul care time. Um, But I do also think that sometimes there's, you can't know until you know, like you can't, you know, you don't know if your baby's going to be colicky. You don't know what the experience is going to be like. And it just requires a periodic inventory. Like, I don't know any of us that only ever declutter our closet once. You know, we have to periodically do it and revisit it and look at it. And does this still work? And does this still fit and get the support that we need? And honestly, I still do this three-step process often when I start to feel really overwhelmed. My life is overflowing and everything feels cluttered up. I come back to these three steps and I reevaluate and ask myself, what has snuck in? 
that I didn't really realize I was sticking in the closet that I want to pull back out. And I get clear on that again. That's really smart because I think we all face overwhelm at various times. And sometimes it's not even a direct result of a parenting responsibility. It could be something else, but all of a sudden we're realizing, wow, my plate is way too full. What happened? I need to take a look at this. I sometimes even joke that I already have a smaller plate to begin with. Like I only have a salad plate, not a dinner plate. Mm -hmm. So I can get easily overwhelmed. And I know that this process really would be so helpful to just taking a look at what's on the plate, you know, and, and being able to examine that is so important. I have a follow-up question for you too, actually, Rachel, because Mm -hmm. we all have those things in our life that maybe don't spark joy, but can't go away. Yeah. (laughs) And I I think the metaphor, the closet holds up here too. I, I, I have some things I I have to own because of living in the Pacific Northwest. Like you're going to get some gray days, you know, it's not going to all be shorts and tank tops. So I'm curious if you have thoughts for how we can still be intentional about dealing with those those activities or obligations that need to stay in place and maybe aren't our favorite and still have a fulfilling motherhood experience. Yeah, I have lots of thoughts on this. <laughs> so um, I think, first of all, there's a lot of things that as moms we say are non-negotiables. We say there's no way that I could possibly not do this anymore. But if we got creative and if we gave ourselves permission, we could find ways to stop doing the things that completely drain us of joy if it was important enough to us. You know, um, there's options for, first of all, there's options to not even do things. (laughs) Like if you spend hours every day cooking a home-cooked meal for your family and you're super resentful and you don't want to do it anymore, you can give yourself permission to serve them cereal once a week for a while or several times a week for a while um, if you need to. And that's okay. And you're allowed to do that. There's an option for that. You can also have like delegate to people in your family or hire out if you have the means to do that. Some of these tasks that you may think nobody else could do this but me. Sometimes you have to get creative about how you could meet that need in a different way or not at all and allow yourself and give yourself permission, if that makes sense. But then I also think that there are some things that you can't stop doing, but what's powerful is when you come back to your value around that thing. So you ask yourself, why am I doing this? And do I actually want to do it? Yeah, because I really care about the health and hygiene of my family. So like changing the baby's diaper, nobody's like, yes, sparks joy. I want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But what does spark joy is taking care of your children and nurturing them. And that's a core value that you have. And so when you come back to that and you own that, actually it is a choice because nobody is forcing me to change my child's diaper. I don't have to do it. If I don't do it, there's going to probably be some repercussions. Hopefully there will be for the sake of the child. Um, But nobody is forcing me to do it. I'm doing it because I want to because I love this child and I want to take care of them. So that alone can sort of like bring the joy back in when motherhood starts to feel like so much drudgery and like none of it is our choice, but to get clear on our values that actually this is my choice and it is what I want to be doing. I love you are speaking our language, Rachel, because we say that all the time. We're, We're huge on family values. We encourage families to write down their top five to 10 family values and parent toward them because of exactly what you said. It is so much easier to go, no, 
actually, I choose that because this value matters to me. Now you're mm-hmm. empowered. I love that. Yeah. And values really do spark so much joy, even if the action in the meantime doesn't necessarily spark joy when you keep your eye on that value. It does. And another thing I want to mention with these things that maybe aren't uh, too much fun is the idea of pairing. And I know we all do this naturally, but where you pair something that you don't really love doing with something that you do, um, like folding laundry with listening to a podcast or exercising with being with a friend while you do it, you know? And so I think getting creative about that and looking at the areas in your motherhood that really do drain you and cause resentment and thinking, what could I possibly pair this with to make it a little bit more bearable to get through my days? That's so smart. Love it. Okay. So here's my last question. And that is, let's imagine, because I can imagine that for a lot of women, probably myself, if I did this exercise, which I will be doing, that they discover that something in their closet that doesn't spark joy that needs to go away is directly related to another person outside their family. Yes. And they have to start setting these boundaries. Do you have mm-hmm. thoughts on how we can do that in a way that doesn't hurt the other person, obviously, but I think almost more importantly, because so many women struggle with this, without us feeling guilt and shame around setting a boundary that's going to help us have a joyful motherhood? And it seems like we shouldn't feel that way. Like, obviously, it's going to spark joy. But I think women, especially moms, are just programmed to feel guilty about everything. So is there a way that people can do that as they're working through these steps to help them feel like even if I have to set a boundary with someone else, it's okay to do that? Yeah, I think that um, it takes courage to have those conversations with somebody like, let's say there's a commitment that you agreed to that you realize now I really wish I wouldn't have. And I think something that I, a mentor of mine once said to me is she would much rather have an honest no than a dishonest yes. And so just believing that the people in our life want honesty and having a conversation with them where you say, I am so sorry that I took this on when I didn't have the capacity truly to do it. I've taken a look at my life and I realized that I can't do this anymore. And I apologize for the inconvenience that's caused you, but I, it doesn't work for my family anymore. Or saying, I can do this for the next month or two, so you're not just leaving them high and dry, but I do want you to know that at that time, I'm going to be moving away from this commitment because it doesn't fit in my the life with my family. And just I think that honesty, that heart, sharing your heart and saying a little bit of why, not that you necessarily have to, especially if people in your life are toxic and they're not going to accept your heart, you know, they're not going to protect your heart, then you don't, you can just say, no, I'm not going to do it anymore. But if they're your friends, if they're your people you respect, if they're colleagues that you respect, I think when you share your heart and explain the process that you're going through and you, but you hold firm to this is what works for me and this is what works for my family, then those conversations can go well. It takes a little bit of vulnerability to do it and to admit that you have limits, but I, it, I've almost, I have always actually had it be well received when I've had conversations like this with people that I care about. Two things I really liked about that. One being that there is a way to do it with kindness and that even if you aren't sorry about letting that activity go, you can probably be sincerely sorry for the inconvenience it caused them. So I appreciated yes. the vocabulary around that. And then secondly, I really liked the idea of another way you can be kind while being firm is to give a little bit of lead time. Hey, I want to give you this heads up that I'm going to need to step away from this, but yeah. I won't step away tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Know? So I think that's really a way to just hold space for being kind 
while we sometimes have to draw a, a maybe a difficult line. Yeah. And I also think sometimes giving people another, another way you can help that fits more authentically that does spark joy. Again, you don't have to do this. If your line is just no, then it's no, and that's fine. But you could say, I can no longer participate in this way, but I would love to help in this way. Or here's a resource that I think would be helpful. Um, Then you can feel like I'm not just leaving them high and dry. I'm giving them some other option. Right. You're providing that, that alternative maybe. Yes. Yeah. So this has been amazing. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Kira, are you going to do it? Oh, absolutely. I need need to do it. (laughs) Yes. Very important. It's super helpful. And I'm, and I'm sure it's been helpful to our listeners as well. So Rachel, if our listeners do want to connect with you, can you tell us how they can find you and, and learn more about you and your podcast and all of that? Yes, absolutely. So my podcast, again, is 3 in 30, which the numbers, Takeaways for Moms, and it's on all the major podcast apps. My website is 3in30podcast.com. And something that I've just released that I'm really excited to share with moms is a journal that I call the Flex of Gold Journal. And it is a way for moms to start noticing the little flecks of gold in their days with their children so that they can really savor those, especially when the rest of the day is really hard and rocky. If they can just find those little flecks of gold to focus on, then it can really, I found, become an anchor and stability to get them through the hard times. And I'm so excited about this journal. Um, And you can find that by going to 3in30podcast.com forward slash flex of gold. And it will be there. Oh, I love that. We talk about that a lot on the show about how important it is to notice the good stuff because otherwise we just get swamped by the hard. Yes. And if you're constantly noticing the good, it really does sort of pepper your life with joy. And I love the concept of flex of gold and that people can actually like have a space to record that yes. and notice it. That's awesome. I hope all of our listeners will go check that out. Yeah. I just feel like it's so important to almost like prove yourself wrong when you're in a phase where you're like, everything is hard. This is such drudgery. Like this is to just notice, even if it's just one moment of, well, that wasn't hard. That was beautiful. And you can start to kind of retrain your brain to look for those things in motherhood. So I hope it'll be a really powerful tool for moms. I love it. Rachel, thank you so, so much for being with us today. This was really fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Well, everyone, we hope you found that as fantastic as we did. I know I sure got a lot out of it, and I know Dina did too. I cannot wait to declutter my motherhood closet because it is in need of that. So if you want more info on Rachel, do check out her podcast, 3 in 30 Takeaways for Moms. It's fabulous. Go get her amazing new journal, and we wish you luck in decluttering your motherhood closet as well. Raising Adults podcast is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded partially in my laundry room, partially in Dina's office. Editing by Allison Preisinger. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening.